Christmas many times over, over the years, haven't we? And uh, so the traditions of Christmas are well ingrained in our lives. But I, I wonder if you know everything that there is to know about the traditions of Christmas that are such a part of our celebrations. Take the date of Christmas, for instance. During the early days of Christianity, different parts of the world celebrated Christmas on different dates. So if you travelled widely in the Roman world, you could conceivably enjoy six different Christmases in the span of a single year. I don't know if you think that would be great or not. (laughs) It was Pope Julius I in the mid-4th century who appointed a monk named Dionysius to set up a calendar standardising a universal date, which came to be the 25th of December. Is this making annoying noises for everyone? What am I doing wrong? They're pointing down. Okay, should we start again? Or no? <laughs> All right, what about candy canes, for instance? Um, candy canes were reportedly developed by a Christian candy maker in Indiana in the States who built the story of Christmas into each piece. The hardness of the candy cane represents the solid rock of the Christian faith. The white represents the sinlessness of Christ and the red stripes symbolise the blood uh, of Jesus' flogging. The shape of the candy is that of a shepherd's staff representing Christ as our good shepherd. And turned upside down, it forms the letter J for Jesus. Well, what about Christmas cards? The custom of sending Christmas cards began in 1843 when a wealthy Englishman, Sir Henry Cole, ran out of time to write personal letters to his friends at Christmas. So he commissioned an artist John Calcott Horsley, to design a card instead. Horsley drew a picture of a group of merry wishers raising their glasses in toast and underneath were the words, a merry Christmas and a happy new year to you. The the card, uh, as you may guess, created much controversy as critics complained that it encouraged holiday drinking. But the custom of sending cards at Christmas caught on nonetheless Uh, and it has been catching on ever since, hasn't it? Uh, as soon as they hit kinder even, uh, would you believe, my, my girls are right into Christmas card writing. And so having carefully selected this year's Christmas cards, uh, Georgia got herself all set up and uh, proceeded to ask me what she should write in them. Now, I've always been one to think, well, you know, you, you spend some money on your cards and on the stamp if they're ones that you're sending. So you're want to get your money's worth and write a bit on these cards. I mean, you want to make the most of the opportunity to encourage people and thank them for something. And so I guess that naturally gets instilled uh, into my kids. So I said to Georgie, you know, well, you could say more than Happy Christmas. You could say, remember, it's Jesus' birthday. Or you could say, thank you for being my friend. Or it's been great to have you in my class this year. Um, But you know what? Christmas would still be Christmas 
if I didn't write my Christmas cards for one year? It's true. I know you don't believe me. I know you don't think Christmas could not be Christmas without Christmas cards, but I tried it one year. Um, We had an unusually crazy lead up to Christmas. Uh, I don't know whether it was one of our kids had been born then. I think it might have been that instance. And I thought, I'm just going to kill myself if I try to write Christmas cards this year. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to do it. And it was incredibly freeing. Um, It was incredibly good for me that year. But then I felt so incredibly bad that I wrote a New Year's letter instead, (laughs) just to make up for it. (laughs) And ever since, I've been writing Christmas cards or our family Christmas letter. But writing Christmas cards is a Christmas tradition for me and probably for many of you also. But how many of you are groaning inwardly at the thought of writing them this year? Look, I I know it's more of a girl thing than a bloke's thing, um, but, you know, even just the thought, how am I going to find the time to get them written this year. We love receiving them, don't we? We really love the idea of giving them and maybe writing some encouraging words in them. But sometimes it kind of feels like something I have to do or something I should do or something I'm expected to do. Have you ever hastily written off a card at the last minute because you just received one in the mail from someone that you had forgotten about or even worse, left them off your list um, you know, something we should do, so much of Christmas can be like that, can't it? Our Christmas can be made up of a whole lot of traditions, some of which mean a lot to us and which we enjoy immensely, but some of those, those traditions are things that can become uh, burdensome and don't necessarily mean anything at all. They can even distract us from what Christmas is really all about. Do you ever get tired of all of that? Uh, Do you ever feel like tearing down all of the tinsel and the trimmings, cancelling the card writing, taking time instead to reflect on what really matters? Do you ever wonder whether there's more to Christmas than all of the tradition, all of the things that have to be done or that are still yet to be done? I know I do. Christmas can be a whole lot more than tradition. In fact, it was meant to be, and it is a whole lot more than that. I wonder what your Christmas is going to be like this year. Could it be that instead of a traditional Christmas, you might even experience a transformational one? Instead of it being all about all of the traditions, that instead it might even be about transformation in your life, in your heart. Do you want that? I, I know I do. You know, there's a passage in the Bible uh, where we're introduced to a man who knew about tradition, but who also knew about what really mattered. Let me read to you. It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 35. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that was the baby Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon 
who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The first point I want to make about traditions is that traditions are often more about the external than the internal. Now, Simeon, in, in the story we've just read, embodied all that was good in the Jewish religion. Uh, it says that he was righteous and devout, meaning that he behaved well toward people and also was careful about his religious duties and his service toward God. He was someone who would have carried out all of the required religious traditions of the Jewish faith, the God-ordained ones as well as the man-made ones. You know, things that are important to us, um, such as our values, are passed on in our families by what's known as tradition, aren't they? Um, religious truths were, and still are, passed from generation to generation by the process of tradition. Um, you know, in fact, oral tradition, the, the passing on by word of mouth, uh, is what preceded and what shaped um, the Bible that we have today. And our understanding of the Bible and its application to our life has been moulded by particular traditions. And that's the, the positive sense of tradition. However, in the New Testament, the word for tradition is, is used mainly negatively by Jesus, um, whereby he rejected human or man-made traditions and those were probably part of the traditional interpretation of the scriptures by the Jewish rabbis. They were often distortions often even contradictions of God's laws. There were hundreds of them. On one particular occasion, uh, the specific issue that Jesus was dealing with had to do with the ritual washings connected with the preparation and the service of food. And Jesus rejected these traditions. They often tended to be more to do with the external than the internal. But uh, let's get back to Simeon. Uh, he was righteous and devout, the Bible says, fulfilling all of the traditions, the external requirements of the law. But notice something. It says that he was waiting for something, for the consolation of Israel. It says in verse 25, what is that? In fact, he was waiting for someone. He was waiting for the Lord's Christ. And that's a reference to Jesus, the one who had been promised, the one who was going to come and deliver Israel not from the Romans as they had thought, but from their sins. All the external stuff of tradition wasn't enough for Simeon. 
He didn't have any peace. But with the baby Jesus in his arms, this baby who was in fact God in the flesh, Simeon experienced a profound sense of peace in his soul. Have a look in in verse 29. He's praising God and this is what he says. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. In other words, the, the promise that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. You now dismiss your servant in peace. Or, or it actually means now you can dismiss your servant in peace. Do you know why? He was holding in his hands the Prince of Peace. This is one of the names, if you remember, that was given to Jesus hundreds of years before his birth in the book of Isaiah. The Prince of Peace is who he would be called. He was the one of whom the angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men and women on whom his favour rests. Wow, you know, no wonder he had peace. He was holding in his arms peace in human form. I wonder how you'd describe your sense of peace at Christmas. Is it only when you've written that last card when the last present is wrapped or the last member of your extended family has walked out the door and then you collapse in a big heap of peace. Is that peace for you? know, Christmas is more than tradition. It's more than just what's external. It's about what's internal. It's all about peace on the inside, not preparations on the outside. It's not about things being perfect and relationships being hassle-free. It's all about knowing the Prince of Peace in the midst of imperfection, in the midst of pain in relationships. It's all about knowing the Prince of Peace, not the pretense of peace. I wonder if you've ever acknowledged that that isn't something that you can create for yourself, but it's something that you really need. You know, it can only come from God. In fact, this Prince of Peace grew up and not long before his death, it's recorded that this is what he said to his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So for a Christmas that's more than traditional, to have a transformational Christmas, let's get to know this Prince of Peace, this God who came in the flesh to give us peace. Now, the second point about traditions is that they're often more about what's handed down than what's really owned. Um, Do you know what? There's nothing like my mum's Christmas pudding. All right, it's the boiled-in-the-pudding-cloth type of Christmas pudding and uh, it's the only way to make Christmas pudding. Um, it really is. It's, it's tradition. Um, and you know what? It's become a bit of a rite of passage into adulthood for the female members of our family, that official invitation to make the sacred Christmas pudding for Christmas dinner, um, along with the accompanying brandy butter and hard sauce, of course. So when my turn came around... Um, I was scared silly. And I I mean, I'm a self-confessed dessert queen, all right? But the sacred boiled Christmas pudding, no way. I wouldn't want to touch that one. Um, 
In the end, I agreed to it though, but on one condition that my mum was on site with me in the kitchen. Um, so there we are, I've got the beads of sweat pouring off my forehead. Uh, I'm not, still not sure whether it was the pressure of the moment, whether it was the steam rising from the six hours of boiling from this massive boiling pot on my stove, um, or maybe it was the 40 degree temperatures of the Melbourne Christmas we were experiencing at the times, or any of the above. But anyway, I did it. And I've done it since without my mum being by my side, uh, by the way. And the tradition has been successfully handed down. This year I thought I might let Alex make the Christmas pudding in our... No, we better not go that far. Um, but do you ever stop and think, why is it that we do some of the things that we do at Christmas? I mean, it's just the way it's been done in our family. I mean, it's never been done any differently. I mean, whether it's 15 degrees or 45 degrees, it's turkey and chicken and pork and roast veggies and the whole hot meal deal in our family. And sometimes I stop and I think, why? Um, but nevertheless, the tradition continues to be handed down. Do you remember we were talking about Simeon and it said he had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He'd been waiting and hoping and expecting, even longing for the fulfilment of God's promise. A promise that had been handed down through the generations that had been passed on, talked about, read over and over, believed in the promise that God hadn't forgotten his people and he was going to send a deliverer. But you know what? It just wasn't, a, it wasn't just a nice thought. It wasn't a, a Christmas pudding recipe that had been handed down as tradition. It was a promise. And Simeon had believed it and he had owned it for himself when not many others really believed that Jesus was going to come. And so Simeon, believing this promise and also having come to the understanding that he wasn't going to die before he saw the Lord's Christ, he was filled with a sense of expectancy. And you can just imagine him coming to the temple every day, anticipating, looking, reflecting, asking himself, is this the one? There's a likely couple. Maybe this is him. And then it happened. Joseph and Mary, they came into the temple and when Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms, it was revealed to him right there that my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And that's the whole reason for the peace thing. Simeon's sense of peace Jesus being called the Prince of Peace. This is a peace with God where once there was hostility because of our sin. To see Jesus, the verse says, was to see God's salvation. Salvation from our sins. In fact, that's why he was named Jesus, wasn't he? Because he would save his people from their sins. And that was the light for revelation to the Gentiles, a plan that had been previously unknown and which had now been revealed to the whole world. You know, it's our sin, isn't it, that causes a barrier between us and God. And this baby Jesus was to grow up. He was to die on a cross and take the punishment for our sin. That's the purpose for which he came into the world. That's how it was made possible that the barrier in our relationship with God could be removed. 
True peace comes only when we, like Simeon, understand that salvation is in Jesus Christ plus nothing, plus nothing else that we could ever do, plus nothing about the traditions. Jesus is all we need. And do you know what? Simeon then said that he was actually ready to die now. Wow. You know, he had seen Jesus. He had seen God's salvation and there was peace even in the face of death because he had seen the source of life. What a picture of someone who's not only known the, tra- the tradition handed down to him through the generations, but who had owned it for himself. He understood that Jesus was all he needed for salvation. Now, Christmas is more than tradition. It's more than just what's handed down. It's about what's really owned for yourself. And if Christmas for you is mainly made up of traditions that have been handed down to you but never really owned for yourself. I'm not talking about Christmas pudding recipes here but talking about your beliefs about who Jesus is, about what Christmas is all about. Have you ever received the baby Jesus into your heart, not just as a baby but as God in the flesh who came down from heaven to rescue us and show us his amazing love. I wonder if you've ever marvelled, like Joseph and Mary did. It said that the child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about Jesus. Have you ever marvelled at who this baby really is and realised that he came for you and me because we needed him, needed him more than whatever's on that Christmas list that you may have? He's all that we need, not just at Christmas. He's all that we need in our lives. So for more than a traditional Christmas, yours could be transformed by realising that salvation is not about observing the religious traditions that may have been handed down to you and your family, but it's only in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and by receiving him as God's gift of salvation, the The kids reminded us of that last week, didn't they, of how we can actually receive God's gift of salvation. They had the simple acronym ABC, and I think there's nothing simpler or more profound than that, really. Admit that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus. Believe that he died for our sin. And choose to receive him as our Lord and Saviour. You know, traditions are often more about the season of the year than every day of our lives, aren't they? Um, You know, the first Christmas uh, after Jonathan and I got married, we received a uh, special gift from his parents, our very own nativity scene. And uh, so we were officially a family now, and so we needed our own family nativity scene. And it was a significant gift. And Um, A very significant Christmas tradition in our family involves setting this up each year and putting it in a prominent position in our home for all to see. We we love setting it up each day, uh, each year, and um, the girls love it and I do too. But the beginning of each new year, uh, there comes a time when we pack it away, we vacuum up all of that fake straw that's found its way onto the carpet as a result of the girls 
recreating the nativity scene over and over again uh, during that month of December. But you know what? Our nativity scene publicly declares that Jesus is the reason for the season. But then we wrap him up in bubble wrap. We put him away, pack him away neatly so he doesn't get broken and bring him out again the following year. You know, actually, Jesus is the reason for more than the season. Listen to Simeon's words to Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, in verses 34 and verses 35. He says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too, Mary, he was talking to. Well, isn't that the kind of thing you sort of want your pastor to pray over your child at their dedication? <laughs> yeah, no, I'd say like, don't say that. It was something a little bit more positive, thank you. Um, it's no, the Lord bless you and keep you kind of prayer, is it? Now, what's, what was Simeon on about here? I think he's highlighting that Jesus will be the cause of division. What's that mean? Some will respond positively to him. Others will oppose him. But really, there can't be any neutrality towards him. We either surrender to him or we reject him. There's nothing in between. You know, and our, our reaction to Jesus, our response to him, reveals what's really in our hearts, doesn't it? Our response to Jesus, his life, his death for us, it reveals our response to God um, and where we're at before him. And it's not just a, okay, I'll choose to set up a nativity scene at Christmas time, only to be packed away again the next month. But, but we tend to do that, don't we? we? We can bring him out, have him on display, let others think that he is central to our lives, but then pack him away in bubble wrap to be taken out the following year, packing him away when it suits. You know, my response to Jesus is revealed not only by whether I think about him at Christmas or have him on display at Christmas, it's how I live every day of my life for the rest of the year. Jesus' birth, as well as his life, his death, his resurrection, it, it impacts every day of my life. It has to. They have to. It's not just about carrying around some nice thought or intellectual belief in who he is, but it's laying down my life to follow in Jesus' footsteps. You know, the, the text that we read said that, said that Mary was going to feel a mother's pain. That's what it was talking about when she said it, when it said there was going to be a sword that would pierce her own soul. As she watched her own son suffer rejection and ultimately die on a cross, and anyone who identifies with Jesus will experience pain also as we try to live a life following Jesus of laying down our lives for him and as others perhaps reject him and what he has to offer through us. Christmas is more than tradition. It's more than just the season. It's about every day of our lives. You know, I find that really challenging because it means this little baby Jesus from my nativity scene can't be just packed away and forgotten about, but this baby grew up and became a man who lived and died and rose again for me 
And if I'm a Christian, then he dwells within me by the power of the Spirit. And that's awesome, isn't it? And that helps me to live a life of laying down my life for him. But it's also challenging, isn't it? You know, the carol that we sing, Oh, come, let us adore him. I guess that kind of sums up what our life is to be like, doesn't it? A life of adoring Jesus and not just singing about it with those beautiful words and the beautiful melody, but it begins by doing that as we appreciate who Jesus is in the manger, but that's just the start. It's just the place to start. But it continues by following him, by dying, following him to the cross, by dying there with him, by living every day with Christ as Lord, dying to self, laying down my life for him. Because Christmas is more than just tradition. It's more than just the season, about every day of our lives. It's more than just what's handed down. It's about what's truly owned. It's more than what's external. It's about what's happening on the inside. And so you can experience more than just tradition this Christmas. You can experience transformation by responding to this Jesus in your heart, by getting to know this Prince of Peace, by allowing this Uh, by receiving him into your own heart as God's gift of salvation and by allowing this Jesus to be the reason for more than just the season, your whole reason for living. Because Christmas is not about us, it's about Jesus. Knowing him, and that's so much more than tradition, that's truly transformation. Amen.